0: We're starting a new series this week it will just take us through the two weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, and we're coming at this from the idea of contentment. A lot of times during Thanksgiving, we talk about gratitude, we talk about being thankful, we talk about um, all of the counting our blessings, we do that quite often. Um, I wanted to sort of shake it up a little bit and talk from the standpoint of contentment and what it means to be content and what... Paul is actually talking about here in contentment. Um, We, I think, in our lives, struggle a lot with contentment. I know um, it was a couple months ago, and I um, was—I found myself googling this. I said, um, "Google what's the best kind of car for a dad to drive?" Because I wanted to be a cool dad. You know, I want—I want something that I can show up that moms aren't going to be driving. Because I can't be confused as a mom in my car. I want people to know I'm a dad. And um, then I was looking at it, and I'm like, this is not who I am. This is not what I want. Why would I, why would I care what kind of car a dad drives? Um, and it was just that I was just so, I was not content with what I had. I was not content with the car. The type of car that I wanted was something that, showed that I was cool even though I'm not cool. And so these sort of things are what we're getting after. How do we be content with what we have? How do we be happy? It seems like every year it's harder and harder for me to think like on the spot, oh, what are you thankful for? Let's go around the table and talk about what we're thankful for. Yeah, I don't know, uh, health maybe? Uh, My house? I don't know. What should I be thankful for? Is there a biblical precedence for being thankful? We've called this series Need and Plenty because Paul is showing us in times of both need and in times of plenty, there is reason to be content. And I would say that it's easier to be content in times of need than it is to be in times of plenty. Because I think in our need, we have more appreciation for the things that we have and appreciation for the things that we don't have. And yet when we get so much when we have plenty, when we are well fed, it is harder to be content. It's harder to come to a place where we can appreciate the things that we've been given and be grateful for those. I look around my house and I say, well, this thing is broken or this thing is old and outdated or I need one of these things new. Someone is mad at me in a relationship. And if all of these things could change, then I could be happy with who I am. I could be happy and content with the things in my relationship if just these one things could change. I think we can all identify with this. I think that we can all take this into consideration That there are times in our lives when we come to a point where we're just unhappy. We look around and we say, this is not the way it was supposed to be. Stanford did a survey about 10 or 12 years ago about contentment in people's lives. And they interviewed, they sent surveys to two states. They sent one to California and they sent one to Ohio. Because, you know, it's Ohio, so... Our website's blocked in Ohio, so they won't be able to hear this. But, so they asked the participants two questions. They said to the people in Ohio, how content do you think people are in California? And to the people in California, they said, how content do you think they, people in Ohio are? Well, the people in Ohio thought that people in California were about an eight on the scale. And people in California thought people in Ohio were about a two. Then what I find most remarkable is the second question. How content are you really? And the people in Ohio said they're about a six in contentment. And the people in California said they're about a six in contentment. So often in our lives, we think that contentment is tied to our circumstances. We think that contentment is tied To where we are, or what we're doing, or what we have, or whether our relationships are good, or whether we have this great job, or we have this great influence over people. Whether we're married, whether our relationships are working, whether we are growing a bigger family, whether we have all of that in a place where we can come to an agreement on everything is the way it's supposed to be. But Paul has found the secret of contentment. The secret of being content. I was debating whether I should make this into like one of those BuzzFeed articles. Want to find out the secret of contentment? Do these ten things? Number four blew us away. I was thinking about doing it from that way. But it's actually more serious than that. Paul was the original sort of uh, clickbait uh, writer. Much of our hurting... In our lives, the anxiety that we put ourselves through, the heartache that we have, the drama that we've caused, the places where we just feel not so good about the way things are, is actually the discontentment in our lives. That we put ourselves through this this unnecessary moment of discontentment where we say, I'm unhappy with this or that or the other thing, and it's not because I forgot to count my blessings or it's not because... I forgot to praise God or, or read my Bible or go to church. It's because I'm just inside discontented with what I have. The things that I have, I do not appreciate. I want the things that I don't have. I want more. I want new. I want better And the cycle continues, and this is an artifact of the world, of the society that we live in that chases the dream, that chases after the more, that chases after the bigger houses and the cool dad cars, which, by the way, are usually Jeeps and Rams. So if you wanted to know, yeah. (laughs) And if that's cool, I don't want to be cool. (laughs) We live our lives through the supposed to's and the expectations that we have failed to appreciate what we have. This was the way it was supposed to be. It's not supposed to be like this. We're not supposed to fight as a family. I was supposed to have more kids than this. The church is supposed to have more people in it. When we live our lives through the supposed to's, we get to a place of discontentment in that. And much of the things that we're discontented with is just an understanding and a misunderstanding of our expectations. If we can put our expectations out there, what did I expect to happen in this place? What did I expect that person would say to me? How did I expect to make this right? And as we continue to look at those things that we have in our lives... We just look at it and we think, man, if I could just have this one thing, I would be happy. If I could just find that one person in my life, or if I could just settle this one relationship, if I could just grab this one new thing, everything would be good now. And the great thing about Paul is that he doesn't rub it in the the Philippians' face. But he's writing this from prison. He's locked up. He's in chains. And he's saying, you know what? I'm pretty darn happy. Thanks for asking. And then we sit there and we're like, well, you know what? They forgot the fries. They forgot my fries. I'm going to go back up because they forgot my fries. And Paul's like, no, you can be happy whether you have need or whether you have plenty. Because Paul's sitting in prison and writing this letter to us. And he's saying, I am happy regardless of the situation. I am here in chains. I have been beaten. I have been arrested several times. I have been thrown out of the city. I have uh, tried to be assassinated. And yet, I don't care about any of that stuff. I have known desperation. I have known Abuse, But I have also known plenty, I have known abundance, I have known the things of this life that are good. And Paul's not saying, you did not need to concern yourself with me because I needed so much. I'm not in need. I'm in prison in chains, but I'm still not in need. And that's not why you need to concern yourselves with me. And he says, for I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And here we are complaining about our lives, feeling uneasy about the way things are and the way the world is because we didn't get our way. And it's interesting, the word that Paul uses for content here in Greek actually means self-sufficient. He says, I know the secret of being self-sufficient in any and every circumstance, now, when we hear the word self-sufficient, we think of those backwoods survivalist type of people. Like, I can, I can live off the land, I, I've got my own uh, satellite dish, and I've got the solar panels, and you know, I filter my pee, and all these, I'm self-sufficient, I don't need anything from anybody. I can do it myself. That's not what Paul is talking about here. Paul's not a survivalist. Paul's a realist. He's saying, I don't need things from other people, because Christ is sufficient for me. The word self-sufficient here means anything that is necessary, anything that is essential. And Paul says, I am content because I have all of the essentials that I need. I am content because everything that I need that's necessary for life is available to me. Everything has been given because I am Christ-sufficient. And notice also, This verse in 13 that we often misquote, we often take out of context, we put it on our football jerseys because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which means that I can score a touchdown or I don't have to study for the science test or I don't have to ask for um, any relief at work because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm going to push through because if I just say this verse over and over and over again, God's going to give me the strength that I need to do it. Well, that's wrong. Because Paul wrote this from prison and the doors didn't magically open after he wrote this. Paul didn't magically become let go of prison because he could do all things through Christ who gives him strength. In fact, the word Christ isn't even in the Greek there. I can do this through him who gives me strength. Notice what he doesn't say. I can do all of this through the things that give me strength. I can do all things through the positive character traits of myself that give me strength. I can do this through the people around me that are giving me strength. Paul clearly shows that there is an external contentment, that I'm happy with my circumstances. I'm happy with the things that I've been given in life. I'm happy with all the ways that this has shown themselves to me. But there's also this internal contentment that he says, I can do these things because I have been empowered by a spirit that lives through me because I am in Christ. And what more do I need? Because Christ has died and risen again for me, what more could I possibly add to that? What could I gain from any other relationship, from any other thing? Who has more power than the one who defines power himself? I can do these things. I can be self-sufficient. Thank you for your gift. I loved it. It was great. It came at the right time. I am in prison and I am happy because I'm also in Christ. And so the reverse of this is true, that whatever doesn't give us strength, whatever doesn't build us up, whatever doesn't set a pillar in our hearts of the things that we want gets thrown out. It's trash, it's garbage, it's useless. And this is what David wrote in the psalm that we read. I do not concern myself with matters that are too important for me. It does not concern my heart. If it does not strengthen me, if it does not lift me up, if it does not give me power in my life, it's gone. If it breaks God's heart, why do I think that will give strength to mine? There is evilness in this world that we have convinced ourselves will make us happy. There is more and more and more. And if we just have more, then finally I'll be happy. But that is your reward. More is your reward. You will continue wanting more and more and more. Paul knows that the only truly free and independent person is a person who is dependent on God for everything. That's the secret of being content. It's becoming free of dependencies. It's saying to Christ I am not shackled to these things anymore. If we want to be content in our lives, we have to break free of the things that hold us back, of the dependencies in our lives, of the things that we just can't let go of. It has nothing to do with our circumstances. It has nothing to do with the kind of car we drive. It has nothing to do with the type of school we got in. It has nothing to do with our job status at work. Paul was in prison. And he wrote this. Be free of the things that you're dependent on. Be free of your literal chains that are holding me here in prison. Because you have it far worse than I do. I am content in all the things and yet you are out there in the real world. And you are shackled to these things that are holding you back. The secret of being content is becoming free of these dependencies. Paul was content in riches and in poverty. He was was content in any circumstance. And I told you at the beginning that I think it's even harder to be content in the riches. But Paul said it's important that we, in any moment, be content. Because we throw riches and we throw poverty out the window. Those are not the things that describe it. Those are not the things that make us happy the things and the circumstances and so the question we need to ask for ourselves this morning is what do you need to be happy and one of the things that's helped me in my journey to uncover sort of contentment and and being grateful for the things that i already have is i just asked the question is this it Is this the thing that's going to make me happy? Is this it? We make thousands of choices a day. We look for happiness. We look for places that we can get away from the struggle. We look for ways to be contented. And so is this it? Am I finally going to make a choice today between two things that's going to make me happy? Have I finally found that one thing that I've been searching for that's going to make me happy? And I think the way that we can get to a place of self-sufficiency, I think that we can get to a place of where we have everything that's essential, is by learning just to practice contentment through our lives. Just learning this posture of being content. Answering these questions, is this it? No, this isn't it. That's the answer to the question, no. No. This isn't it. Every choice that we make, a step towards happiness, this isn't the thing that's going to make us happy. God is the thing that brings us joy and contentment. And so, practicing this life of contentment means that we are posturing ourselves to making us dependent only on what Christ gives. That in every circumstance we find ourselves and we throw that out the window, it's gone. Because Christ is there in that moment and we are sufficient in Christ. Listen to what David wrote in Psalm 37. He says, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. I think this is such a boost for me. I think this is such a great place for us to come to because then through this experience, we can ask ourselves, what do you know about your past that can inform your future? David was praising God because I have been young and old, but I have never seen a righteous person forsaken. I've never seen children begging for bread. I've never seen believers of God in want. In need, It may feel like that at times, but as we reflect on our lives, what do you know about what God has done in the past? What do you know about where God has brought you from that can inform you of your future? That we don't have to worry, that we don't have to compare, that we don't have to want more and more and more. Because God has always supplied those things to us. In every circumstance, in every moment, in every relationship, in every place that we've ever gone in our lives, what we feel is discontentment is just a disconnect from God. It's misunderstanding his will for us. It's He has placed us in this place, in this moment, in this job, in this relationship for a reason. We don't have any problems figuring out what it is. We can sit and wonder and we say, I just wish God would tell me why he's put me in this place. I wish God would would tell me which job to take. I wish God would just tell me how to solve this relationship issue that I have. He did. He told you. It's being content. We don't need to solve any problems. There is a contentment that we need to connect with. Because when we can be content, we can be connected to what God has for us. It's this idea that contentment comes with experience, that as we go through life, we need to take the time to remember. We need to take the time to dwell on the places that God has already brought us. I was asking God through the week just to sort of help me with this and and take me to a place that would help us understand a little bit more of what he wanted from us. And I think I've been saying it wrong this whole time because the opposite of contentment is not discontentment. I think the opposite of contentment is unrest. I think it's when we don't have peace in our lives. When you look at civil unrest across the globe, when you see um, nations like Iran um, throwing off their hijabs in, in unrest against the government... When you see people across the globe that are un, unrestful with the things that they've been given, you're seeing people that are not content with the way things are. When we have peace with the way things are, we have contentment. Our peace was broken in the garden. Our original sin is unrest. Our original sin is discontentment with what we had, what we were given. And the devil comes into the picture and he says, is that what he meant? Wouldn't you like a little bit more? Wouldn't you really like to be like God? Wouldn't your eyes like to be open? Wouldn't that be a great thing to do for you? Just take that one extra step to take More And from that point on, we've wanted more and more and more. Our peace with God was broken, a word that the Hebrews called shalom, which kind of means peace, but it means this wholeness, this fullness that comes from being with God. And when we are not with God, when we are not at peace with the things that we have, we will feel it. It will be there and it won't go away because we're always looking around the next corner. Maybe I can solve this with another thing. What are you wrestling against? What is it that's robbing you of your peace in your life? These are things that are holding you back. These are the things in your life that you're turning over in your head as you're thinking now, yeah, why am I not at peace with that? What's gonna take what's it gonna take in those things to get you to have peace? Most of the time when we're unhappy or discontent, we have to make peace with our circumstances. As Jesus was teaching in the Beatitudes at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Happy are those that make peace. Content are those that make peace. The two are tied inexplicably together in ways that we can't understand. But when we are at peace with our circumstances, we are at peace with God and we are content in what we want. Giving everything for Christ is the wisest way to live. It's the only way to live. It's the way that we gain peace in our lives. It's the person with the discontented heart who has the attitude that everything he does for God is too much and everything God does for him is too little. The great cosmic vending machine. Let me put my prayers in and let me get my blessings out. It's not the way it works. God has told us, if you want to be content, you got to rely on me. Follow Christ even when it's difficult, but especially when it's easy. And you'll always find that he is enough.